0: The correct. Jordan Hare Stadium time is 8:38 p.m. Central Standard Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast. You are listening live to tape to people who don't know what they're talking about. Talk a lot of nonsense. It is I, Drew Croson at Santa Crow two on Twitter. You can find me at Santa Crow on Venmo. Joining me, as always, through the magic of the internet, is. The rumor monger, Ryan Starrett, Ryan, at Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for Sharif. I don't care
1: what the S stands for. I'm just amazed at uh, Dylan Cardwell's prowess from beyond the arc.
0: The S stands for shot creator. <laughs> also joining me, giving you that full Fort Payne ASMR that you send me those nickels on Venmo for, the AU chief. Hello. Tough one for the toffees today, chief.
2: It, it's down a little bit. It's, uh, that's why you don't. Uh, that's why you don't lose to Fulham and Newcastle, so you can not feel bad about losing that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. And after but, after dear classicer <laughs> this weekend, yeah. it's been a Man, it's been was, a rough. One. That was that was even rougher. That was that was painful.
2: Tie tied at eighty minutes and lose by two goals. It's just...
0: yeah. All right, and also joining us owner and proprietor of the Auburn Observer. One half of the dynamic duo that is the Auburn Observer podcast, along with his co-host, Human Shot of Espresso Painter Sharpless. It is Justin Ferguson. So I come in
3: on this podcast and I was given one rule. I couldn't talk about the Manchester Derby, and then he immediately launches (laughs) into a bunch of soccer talk, and I can't can't bring that up. Because I'm a city fan. I will say, Chief, don't feel bad about losing to Fulham. Apparently, everyone can do that. Yeah, well. Looking at you, Liverpool.
0: <laughs> well, the Fulham loss is only the springboard for Klopp to leave to go to coach the German national team. That's all that is, which I'm, all of us who want that team to do good is, is hoping is the actual case.
3: That that seems like like whenever Saban leaves that that kind of scenario for for uh, you know Alabama where it's just like all right we got you what you wanted and then what happens when Liverpool wanders in the wilderness and like every Auburn fan and Georgia fan and pretty much every fan of college football is waiting for the Alabama to get back to like what they were before Saban yeah. sure I feel like Liverpool could run into that <laughs> if Klopp left
0: the, the uh, dream you know, so is for Alabama tape. post Saban and Liverpool post Klopp to resemble. Texas post-MAC. Oh, yeah. Yes. That is like, man, yeah. I love coup it. de grace.
1: Which would be more of a disaster if they hired Will Westchamp?
0: Liverpool?
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the worst telling- the Lasso
1: scenario ever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he, uh,
2: just, he's if, a Spurs man.
0: Oh, I, I see what you're true. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They
2: need to get rid of Mourinho, so.
0: He, you know who would be an incredible... Uh, college football coaches, Mourinho. Oh, yeah. It, I am really impressed
3: as somebody who had to sit through Jose Mourinho uh, managing his his club. Um, I'm, I'm impressed that the later he gets in his career, the the more condensed his rise and blow-up happens. Like <laughs> oh, It yeah. used to be the three-year plan. It was always the three-year plan, and now <laughs> at Spurs, it's, yes. like, Three months. it's like, all right, we're going to be really good, and oh, crap, we're really bad now.
0: My, we watched his – Netflix has this like – uh, Secrets of Coaching, nonsensical documentary. Um, <laughs> nice. I think it's produced by LeBron. It's pretty. Some of the episodes are pretty good. The Doc Rivers episode's pretty good. Um, the interesting thing is it was all filmed before the Clippers let, let him go. But mm. it's pretty good, pretty good thing. But one is of the there episodes an episode on
1: Bobby Petrino. No, it's it's
0: like Jill Ellis <laughs> of the U.S. Women's National Team, Doc uh-huh. Rivers, and Jose Mourinho. The special one, and Mourinho's episode is so great because, like my wife who knows nothing about Premier League soccer, we're sitting through this thing, and like halfway through, she looks at me, and she goes, "Is he the biggest prick in the world?" It's like, <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, yes,
3: he absolutely is. She uh, goes
0: because literally, he takes, he gives no one else any credit for any of his success yeah. at any moment ever. It is. I did this and then I did this and it didn't work because the player said that it is 100%. It it doesn't work. It's their fault.
3: And it's incredible because if you know, Mourinho's backstory, he, he was not, wasn't like he was this great player who transitioned into becoming a manager. And so like he worked his way from the bottom. He was a translator for Bobby Robson when he was in, when he was in Portugal and it was like, Oh yeah, you came up from nothing. So you feel like a dude like that would have more, Kind of appreciation, but I mean, once he He's hit at Eric that, that Chelsea, yeah, yeah. Once he hit well, that, that Chelsea run. job the first time, it was no. gone. Like he was yeah. just like, "This is me,"
0: and he he had this brilliant Ryan. He is a very similar to Eric Spoelstra in that he started out as nothing, as Justin said. Then he becomes the head coach of his hometown club in Portugal, Porto. Porto wins the Champions League, like inexplicably. And all of a sudden, he's the toast of the world. Yeah, and every like,
2: oligarch in the world that owns a soccer club. I'm I mean, this guy to,
0: uh... won the Champions League with a Portuguese team, which does not happen ever, 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 and hasn't. I don't think hasn't oh. happened since.
2: Probably not.
3: Can't. And a, and
0: a, can and a Portuguese that team that,
3: and a Portuguese team that didn't have like a Ronaldo. No. or, a, like right. one of their one of their more famous players all time. Like so the that like best like player a, on the team was like Ja Matinho.
1: Yeah. So is this like a? Kentucky winning the national title, or is this like Western Kentucky winning the national title?
0: It'd be like yeah. if if Western Kentucky won the national title in. Oh, you're talking about a college football. It'd be
2: like if Auburn Some won point. the national title in basketball.
0: Yeah, if Auburn won the national title in basketball based on scheme and not yeah. talent. If
3: right, if Gordon Hayward shot would have fallen against Duke. Yeah, in the in the national oh, title yeah. game, that's your yeah. that's your comparison because like people weren't completely taken by surprise because they were good. You know, kind of like how that Butler team was, but that Butler team was was like was scheme
0: too. Like, oh yeah, Brad Stevens was just like genius, and that's how Mourinho was. It was all scheme. Like it was like it was nuts. He was doing things no one had ever seen before, and then and then he took one hundred percent of the credit and none of the blame, and has continued to do that his entire life, and is a gigantic jerk everywhere.
2: And he's he's famous for playing. uh, His scheme is extremely boring and unfun to watch.
0: Oh, he's Virginia.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it like he can have the most talented players in the world on his roster, and you still will would rather watch paint dry than watch watch his yeah. teams play. And, and it was adorable when he was at when he
3: was in Porto because it was like, all right, you're a Portuguese team. If you're playing the Champions League, you're going to have to play some kind of underdog tactic yeah, like right. that. And then when he went to Italy, when he went to Inter, Inter uh, Milan, it was like, okay, well, that's culturally, that's what you know. Yeah, they love you they do were, in Italy. Defensive. Yeah. yeah. He goes to Real Madrid which was his dream club and Real Madrid's big thing is like, you know, we don't expect you to win every single season because Barcelona exists, but like you better be entertaining. Like yeah. if you like they have they have gotten rid of title winning managers for not being for like playing like too reactive soccer. Mm. So like, they they threw him out on his head after like, you know, he had he had a team full of world class
0: players and he was like, "All right, let's try to win this one, one-nil, boys." Yeah. And like didn't work. He plays ten guys in defense and just one guy oh, yeah. out. Cherry picking. That's like that's the whole that's the whole he's, game.
2: Uh, he's Portuguese. Tony Pulis is what he is.
0: <laughs> he <laughs> plays pretty conca Is is the other oh, yeah. way to,
2: to say yeah. Um, yeah, he usually has some some road dogs out there uh, oh. in midfield as well, just kicking people. So
0: so oh, yeah. soccer talk we are also going to transition that into Auburn soccer talk. We promised last week we were going to get to the bottom of it. Turns out they are playing games that actually matter. I believe you can watch them all on the SEC Network Plus or ESPN Plus. Um, and uh, Auburn, you know, has a chance to, to make some noise and make the NCAA tournament, which is now this coming May. It's a, it's a yeah. very interesting uh, schedule. We're still dealing with the, you know, aftermath of the global pandemic shutting everything down and we're starting to open things back up slowly but surely and I think hopefully we'll see things look more normalized for soccer season next fall personally the way that the NCAA soccer season has always gone is crazy to me so this is no not that much different in terms of I don't understand why they're doing it that's kind of the way it always is (laughs) um all right Ryan you have a trivia question for me for all I of do. us,
1: for all of us. But, uh, you know, Ferg, I know you're a numbers guy like I am. So you think you'll appreciate this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Cardwell posted a 71.3 effective field goal percentage this season on 61 attempts. Who was the last t- uh, last Auburn player to break 70% with at least 50 attempts. Mm-hmm. So I was
3: thinking about this one and I had to kind of – it's a big man, obviously. You don't have an effective field goal percentage that high taking jump shots, uh, even though Dylan Carwell hit that Kobe shot against State.
1: Um, 100% from three, that helps. Yeah,
3: drilled it. Um, if you go back through big men at Auburn, you got to start thinking of, like, all right, yeah, Anthony McLemore, but then he started taking too many threes towards the end of his tenure there. Wiley definitely wasn't one of those guys that got up there that high. And then, it, And then you have to go through some – Pretty lean years. Uh, okay. Ew. I'm trying to think of the last like really good big big man around that time. Is it Vaught?
0: See, my guess is Lamore from that year, from Auburn's regular season SEC championship year. Because be. he was – He should have been SEC player of the year that year.
1: You're talking about the injury year?
0: Injury yeah, because yeah. he was leading the nation in yeah. block percentage. And I think I he also agree. was just bonkers on effective field. Even goals.
1: after the injury, they should have just made him. He
0: should have been <laughs> player. player of the year.
2: Right. <laughs> so I want to say
1: Anthony was like 68% or 67%. Oh. Uh, and, and before hey, now. this season, he was the leader uh, in the Bruce Pearl era. Makes is sense. it.
3: I mean, yeah, I did. Kavadi barbers Barber my answer. Uh, that's the last big man I know who was efficient down low, and he didn't take, like, any threes. <laughs> Josh in
2: there, Chief. I'm going to laugh so hard if it's Rob Chubb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, although, a play, I, I bet he was, like, 98% uh, efficient, or uh, had 98% efficiency in that South Carolina game that he went crazy in. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I'm afraid to go too far back. And it's not Kyle Davis.
0: Well, this statistic wasn't even calculated. Like, I don't think right. Mamadou Injai. So, and Jai...
1: so uh, mm, that's a good Sports one. Reference has it back I'm... until 95-96. Oh, okay. I'm, okay.
2: I'm going Mamadou then. That's, that's where right. I was,
1: I was going to go. Ma- Mamadou in, in the 98-99 uh, season. I think. So, I will say only one other person's done it. And it was bought in the 2007, 2008 year <laughs> where he only yeah. played 10 games.
0: <laughs> and that is why oh, Justin right. wow. gets paid the big bucks.
1: Only 10 games. Wow.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. You guys are
1: probably know better than me. Was he hurt that year? He got was hurt that, that year? year. Yeah. His junior year. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And that was the year. Yeah. I think that was the year that that team could have done what they did the next year. But because he got yep. hurt, yeah, that team was really good that year, too.
1: Yep. So he posted a 72% on 82 attempts.
0: Really good. By really good I mean That'll work. There's not one guy on that team that starts for last year's Auburn. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like
1: Well, I mean does does Vot?
0: Vot uh, probably yeah. does. Actually, Vot probably starts for la like, this, this past year's Auburn team over Jalen. Just just yeah. barely. I don't know.
1: Yeah. well Jalen's Thor, is is probably, the four Thor go to the three.
0: Jalen
2: moves yeah. the four and Thor goes to the bench probably. Uh which is crazy to think about.
0: Guess who starts, though, is Qantas Robertson. After Sharif goes down, we are so thankful to have Qantas oh, yeah, Robertson Yeah. No on the team. <laughs> yeah. Nice right, I just Clarkson. wanted to throw
1: that one out there. I thought that was a fun, uh, yeah, fun a stat for Dylan Cardwell. I mean, he was – and he was impressive this year. He, uh, he can you? just dunked everything.
2: That's, that's a, yeah, really I mean, if nice you remember,
1: he started the first month or so of SEC play with only missing one shot from the field. Yeah. Like there his, was his, issue was, his issue was getting the ball. Like he's, yeah. he's got to hold
3: on to it. I mean, well, and, and that's what happens with big men, especially, in when you're playing with dudes who aren't used to passing it down there to you, and you know you are pretty new to everything. But yeah, sort I mean, of, he looked wily esque at times down low at, at finishing. Yeah,
2: yeah. He he just he fell off a cliff as soon as Sharif went out. Like he he did not have a, a very good end to the season. Other than that, maybe the shot of the year, which is that. Oh yeah. It, the shot of the year, not, not because it was just him unexpectedly doing it, we needed that shot to win that game.
0: So I think what what that also shows Chief is like one of the most underrated skills in basketball, in my opinion, that was on full display once Sharif went out and last all of last basketball season. Yeah, is the entry to post pass yeah. is is so difficult for a lot of people. So, like, we didn't have anybody, like, Javon, we didn't have really a lot of guys on the team last year who could get the ball to Wiley effectively in the post. This year, after Sharif goes down, guys like Dylan Cardwell, Stretch, kind of, like, offensively weren't nearly the effective player they were with Sharif just because nobody could give him the ball. Right. Yeah. And Thor was so good to
1: create with, with an offensive rebound. Yeah. Yeah. At
0: that
1: point.
3: And Thor was so good with the pick and roll game with them. Mm-hmm. And and, and no true. one is quite as effective as Sharif at running that on this team. And, um, you know, his, his, you know, a lot of his work towards the end when, when Sharif was out came on, you know, he had to drive, he had to like show that he had, he's gotten better at creating for himself, which was something that wasn't a big part of his game early in the year.
0: Yeah. All right. High level impressions on the season. What do you think? How did we perform compared to expectations?
3: I would say, I mean, I would say compared to expectations, Auburn disappointed. But I think there's a lot of context to that, right? You didn't yes. have a point guard, you know. If, if Sharif plays the whole season and you have this record, you feel complete. Like you feel worse about what what you what you did if you're Auburn. Mm. Um, there's this there's this tendency that a lot of people have right now where they look at the season and they see the numbers drop off and the record drop off, obviously. And they go, well, this is a disappointing year. Auburn Auburn regressed. And I'm like, no, nah, not really. you got to look, if you look at these guys individually, and when you're not playing in the postseason, this is really all you're going for this year. I mean, you look at a guy like Alan Flanagan making a huge jump, Jalen Williams making a huge jump, JT Thor being who he was, getting good games at times from both Devin Cambridge and Jamal Johnson. I mean, everybody on that team showed progress. The problem was, is, yeah. is that, that you're comparing them to a bunch of old dudes from last season. Like there, there were so many veterans on that team and you were literally the least experienced team in college basketball, the youngest team in, in major college basketball. And so the the combined effort wasn't going to do it. And then you, you do things like, Hey, you don't have a point guard. And then the guy who was doing well as your point guard, you know, has a brain injury. And so like, I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong for this team. Yeah. But if you look at these guys individually, statistically, you know, they all kind of made strides on this team. It's just the problem was they didn't have the experience and that X factor of a point guard to kind of put it all together. They were missing the glue.
0: Yeah, I would say not the Ken Palm statistic of luck, but just the good old fashioned luck. Yeah. The only oh, yeah. team more unlucky than Auburn this year was South Carolina, having to miss so yep. many games due to COVID. Yeah. Like Auburn, Auburn had everything that could have gone wrong from a luck standpoint. Your point guard. The NCAA never deciding what the deal was, and then his point guard injury. one,
1: point guard two, and point guard three. Yeah, and,
2: well, and that that's the thing, and uh, that's what what Justin was getting at there is that like you can be young, and if you improve like we did all year, you, you you'll see results from it. But when you're young and you just keep having one thing after another thrown at you, it's really hard to to adjust to that, and and we saw it in that. We would play well for a game like Tennessee, but then there'd be a drop off, and we'd look worse than we had all year at some points. So it, it, I think it's just a combination of things. It, it,
0: it's a the really only disappointing game to me. Is that LSU? The LSU game and yeah. the UCF game yeah. stand out as games. Like man, we looked horrible in those games. That was you know. like the UCF yeah. game. We you look back at the stats from that game. That was a joke. That was like one of the worst shooting nights in this school. Yeah, and then
1: that's coming off that rough game against Baylor too, where like you you played well in game two of the season against the national title favorite, maybe
0: yeah, one yeah. of the top two.
1: Um, yeah, our, so oh, you, were, in, you were feeling good about yourself, you know? Hopefully, and
0: hopefully you know, that UCF and to, lay an egg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, we also had one of our best games of the season, I thought, against Baylor, who's first or second best team in the country.
0: Yeah. And, and the so, first Alabama game was also one of the better games of the season.
2: Yeah. When they were still rocking and rolling, too, that was that – was, Bama was still cruising along at that point. They, I mean, not that they've, you know, fallen off too terribly bad. but
0: There were times this season where the team was clicking and you would see flashes of greatness and go, okay, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about the potential of these players. And that's oh, – yeah. basketball is a lot of that. Like, you know, potential in a lot of ways is more important than – actual achievements in the nba sure. especially in the draft but like and as a fan because of how basketball is where you can make a leap season to season from a in a skill like mm-hmm. for instance jt thor jt thor gets in the gets in the weight room adds some muscle and then also hangs out behind the point line a lot this summer mm-hmm. all of a sudden that dude is a monster next year and I mean, I,
2: he's the one I'm most, I'm more excited about JT Thor than I am Jabari Smith. What's JT Thor's ceiling? Giannis? Like legitimately. So, (laughs) so, (laughs) yeah.
3: So this is a conversation I've had a lot with my brother, um, who knows a lot more about basketball than I do. And, you know, he, he is, uh, he has said all season that he thinks Thor is the best pro prospect on the team, even better than Sharif, which I think a lot of people will just kind of be like, huh? I mean, if JT Thor would have stayed in his class, he's a five-star. Yeah. And if JT Thor would have stayed in his class, I think he would have had a shot just with his skill set to be potentially one of the best players in America. Like, I don't know if he'd have caught Jabari at that point, but he would have been pretty high up there. There aren't very many dudes at his size who can do all the things that he does. And, you know, no disrespect to Sharif, and I think his court vision and passing are leaps and bounds above most kids his age if not all of them at this point, you know, there's more kind of Shreve Coopers in the world than there are JT Thors, and I think that's something you've got to consider. And going back to something else, you know, what you guys were saying earlier, I said this on our podcast not too long ago, I think the se- the word for the season for Auburn basketball was disjointed, and that applies in yeah. so many different ways. It's disjointed in how they looked on offense, it was disjointed on how they looked on defense, even though I thought they looked a lot better towards the end of the season in that regard. It was disjointed in that you didn't have a point guard for a while, and then you had him, and then you lost him again. It was disjointed in that you know your best shooter was there and then not there all, all of a sudden. And then yeah, you got unlucky in some games. And then there was just that general youthful inconsistency. You look across college basketball this season, the big name programs that were very young this year were not good. Um, and so Auburn was playing a little bit from behind on that as well. Um, and I think that made a huge difference. Yeah, less I th- practice I think hours. we're better than Kentucky. Like, yeah, I, I think overall we—that's have- a SEC tournament favorite, Kentucky, to you.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> I think they actually are great right now. But
0: if they you know. were to get it together, this is my Throughout the year. I think my, my goal for my 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 dream scenario is that Kentucky wins the SEC tournament and just looks great doing it.
1: Imagine saying that about three months ago.
0: I know. It's, it is theoretically possible because those guys are talented enough. They could monsters their way through. They're not a well-designed team. No. They're a it's, horribly put-together team. It's the
2: worst put-together team I think I've seen. A bunch of, bunch of great dudes that just don't play well together.
0: It reminds me, and this is a really blast from the past, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, 2004 United States Olympic team. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. In yeah. that on paper, these are incredible players. Well,
2: and it, it's similar in that it's a bunch of dudes that think that they should just win
0: because they're out there. Well, and like, that's normal for Kentucky, but the difference is usually they don't all play the same position. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what the 04 Olympic team ran into. There yeah. were five or six small forwards on that team. Yeah.
3: They only have one, like, score shooter on that team at a high level in B.J. Boston, and I mean, not to – I hate talking like this about teenagers especially, but, like, for most of that season, season, B.J. Boston was bad. Mm -hmm. Like, he was a very bad SEC basketball player. Now, he figured it out towards the end, and people are talking about him as a first-rounder again, but, like – they had nobody who could score consistently.
2: <laughs> and, and see, yeah. I think that's that's where maybe now they're better than Auburn is they have a guy that can shoot consistently now. And, and Auburn never really had that guy more than a month. He had a brain injury. Yeah. That
3: guy, that guy had a brain injury.
2: Yeah. Um, so, you know. Best I think I it's like a good to way, him,
1: way to put it, too. Uh, I feel like when, when we say, oh, Justin Powell had a concussion, that gets kind of downplayed. Sure. Saying he has a brain injury, it's that's the way you have to put it. Because when you miss two months and you're really longer than that because he's still not ready to come back, yeah. that that's a brain injury. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: it's something It's something that Josh Vitale and I would talk about all the time on Twitter and, you know, person to person. It's like whenever people would be like, well, what's going on with Justin Pollard?" There's got to yeah. be more to this story. It's like, guys, when somebody twists their knee or, t- or rolls their ankle and they miss games, you don't blink an eye. And people were questioning – Powell's absence like a week into it yeah. because it also came around the time of Mahomes getting cleared right around the Super Bowl. Like, well, he had a concussion. He was like, yeah, he also has a thing on his head that's designed to make sure that if he gets a shot there or if he gets a concussion, the impact is lessened. There's nothing to protect you if your head bounces off the floor right. like yeah. in basketball. There's nothing yeah, there.
2: We have no idea if he's if he's had concussions before because, and, and, you know, yeah <laughs> there's HIPAA laws that uh, bar us from knowing stuff like that. So, uh, you know, maybe he's had one or two before and they all, they get worse if you have, you have, oh, yeah. I mean, Sidney Crosby missed a year doing it.
0: Yeah. it could true. be his
2: first one. Like we don't, we don't yeah. know anything. It's just.
0: Everybody's brain reacts differently to that. And exactly. you don't, there's certain things that you just don't know until it happens to you, how your body and your brain are going to react to you. And that's one of them. Um, Okay. As I'm I'm looking over the O4 Olympic team roster, and I'm just still. Well, just, I just I just
2: hope Arkansas wins this tournament. That's that's
0: what I'm hoping. Guys, I'm gonna read you three. Stop. I'm gonna read you four names. These are four guards. Jalen so. Williams can win a ring. These are four guards on that O4 <laughs> Olympic team. Which one of these is you? Do you think of as a distributor? Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, Dwayne Wade, and Richard Jefferson. That was your four guards. That oh. one of those guys gets the ball to anybody Spum else. But is so. a, None of those guys. Of a, a shoe distributor, house. right? Right. Well, it's yeah. true. <laughs> and you wonder why we lost. Well, because no one passed the ball for an entire <laughs> tournament in USA.
2: Kept it until they either turned it over or scored. <laughs>
3: and, that's, and that's amazing because, you know, you look at, and that's also how basketball's changed, but you look at 16, 17 years later, you go back to the All Star game on Sunday night, the starting five for LeBron's team, all five of those dudes are unreal distributors. Yeah. And they all play like you had a, you had a, you had two guards, you had two forwards, in the center. Like you had a traditional lineup, and all those dudes can distribute. <laughs> and, they're all, you know, they're all, 16, top. 17 years ago, we couldn't find an American who wanted to yeah. pass the ball. <laughs> the best passer on
0: that team was LeBron, and he was 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, he would have been, in 2004, he would have been 20. He would have been 19, because he's, well, he, he is, he's, he's one he's, year older than me.
2: He's – well, He wasn't he born in 84
0: though? Yeah. I think he's my age. He's just – He 80. was
2: born on December 30th,
0: 1984. He was, he was after his he rookie. He would have
2: been 19th Olympics. Yeah, it would have been 19th
0: He was the 19th at the Olympics. So Jacob Varner, one of – friend of the show on Twitter, Auburn was 69th average in all the NCAA tournament me- metrics.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was not good enough so, to get I mean, the Looking at
1: that, with with the way this it's, roster was constructed, <laughs> that's that's not bad. No, like it, you, it, It's not bad. Half well, freshmen and half sophomores. Actually, and it's Nico great. And Jamal Johnson, like top seventy-five. That's better than anything we had the last you know, before the last three years. Sure, I, I mm-hmm. think it's great you know. considering everything that happened this year. Right. I mean, so, like, the context of that is like Auburn. Auburn went nineteen and six the last two years. And two possession games.
0: Also, considering you didn't have a point guard on the roster who had played more minutes than me as a collegiate point guard coming yeah, into this year, I,
1: I think uh, to, to and, the, point and guards, the other half of that's over was five and six this year, right? So, yeah, do you have veteran end. guys, you win those games. When you have freshmen and sophomores, you don't. You don't. You're right. That's okay. I,
2: I think to the to the point guard issue. I, I think when Bruce does a post mortem on this season. He, I think his own, uh, the biggest mistake he'll see and, and it's not really a mistake. I, I don't I don't think he had any reason to know this. Jamal Johnson was not even supposed to be a, a major contributor to this team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he'll look back and wish he had figured out okay, Jamal can be a point guard on this team way back in the summer.
3: Yeah you, you, um, you
2: might flip some of those games. Some yeah. of those close games. If Jamal, just because
3: he's not going to do anything flashy, and again, some of the things that we were talking about, like entry passes and the pick and roll and stuff like that, he isn't awesome at them. But man, he's a steady hand, and he is yeah. one of the best players in college basketball this season. I think he's like top one hundred fifty or top two hundred. Which spoiler alert: there's a billion people who play Division one basketball <laughs> at turnover rate this season for yeah, a guy so who's on it, the floor. It's, is all it's
1: better than that for a uh, guy. He was forty uh, fourth in the country this year.
0: Yeah. In yeah. 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 That's that's really good. And that's that's really really good. Good. yeah. As many two possession games as this team lost,
1: yeah, just not turning ah, the badgum ball. Not over. having summer practices, though. Well, right, that's oh, true.
2: Yeah. And, and and I just think uh, Jamal was just not supposed to play the minutes he played this year. I don't think. I don't. I don't think they expected him to. Maybe he did, but I don't. I don't know that Bruce did. You know. I mean, having um, Powell
3: out there the whole season changes everything for that right. for that guard yeah. rotation. Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're and exactly. Bruce said it himself. They were just a guard down. And everybody wants to point back to Turbo. And look, man, like I like Turbo, and I think you know Turbo got a lot of grief. But like Turbo was not a point guard. Right. Turbo going to go to South Alabama, where he's going to get to shoot a lot. And he is a he is he doesn't have combo guard kind of size, but he is kind of a combo guard, in, in, you know in, in that package. But
0: um, yeah, it just wasn't a great fit to so go somewhere else. Yeah. So, what do you think um, in terms of next year? Looking way ahead, way too early prediction. Um, most of these guys are probably – I think probably five of them will declare for the draft, test the waters, and then oh, most yeah. of them will come back. Um, yeah. The only one who's like – I think Shrief's the only one that's kind of up in the air. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Most right. people think he's not coming back. Um, recently though, his mock drafts have been in a free fall.
3: Yeah, it, it, guys got the book on him. I mean, watch it, Watch how they defended him this season, um, especially Kentucky. I think Kentucky in that second game, even though he wasn't ever getting foul calls, you know, it was was a good example. He kind of gets – you know, when he drives the basket, he didn't distribute a ton off of the drive. He didn't do a ton of kickouts as much. True. And guys were sinking back, and he's not an elite finisher around the rim. And so he was missing a lot of those layups and traffic that he would have been hitting against other teams, but Kentucky's got a bunch of trees down there. Very athletic trees. And he, that and he relies
0: ball, on getting to the free throw line too, as yeah. part of yeah. his game. Like I'm going to drive, and I'm either going to kick it out, finish, but I'm probably getting to the line.
1: I the wonder with Kentucky though, is it, those those tall athletic tree trunks are every player in the NBA? Yeah, that's and that's, yeah. that's I, what 100%, hurts.
2: I wonder if 100%. he if he's uh, built more like that uh,
0: that point guard at Georgia. You know, real, oh, real thick. The point guard looks like he could be Nick Chubb's brother.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I wonder if he's built more like that, if he's getting.
0: Is it Wheeler that,
1: 5'8"?
2: Well, I don't mean the 5'8". <laughs> I mean the actually muscular. does thick. Doesn't, it's
0: thick. Yeah. I, it's like a I, side I, of beef uh, playing point guard.
2: Because he got hurt and because, because of how he's built. I I would I wonder if that scares some people off of him. Just, sure. just like if he were built in a way that m- didn't make him look fragile, because I don't think he's fragile. I no. I don't I don't I don't think that about him. But if you just look at him, you're like, God, is this guy is this guy gonna get hurt driving to the rim that much? There's not very many dudes his size that play point guard in the NBA anymore.
3: Like right. you know, you have to be really really good as a shooter mm-hmm. if you're if you're short and you play point guard in the NBA. <laughs> Um, or yeah, ha- or you have to be Chris Paul, and even then, Chris Paul became a,
2: a much better shooter, you know, throughout his career. And see, I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Chris Chris Paul, who's who's built. He, he's a he's a big guy. It's closest big.
3: comparison to him. I mean, that's the closest comparison I can think of. Just Paul's a better shooter, or yeah. was coming out of Wake Forest as well. I've always thought of him.
0: I've always thought of Sharif more of a Steve, as a Steve Nash clone. I can say that. Just only that yeah. he he Got a seems to – lot better to, though. The difference between Sharif and maybe some of the other players is that because Sharif's not score first, it, it you can look at his totals and whatever, and you can go, "Ah, oh, he's a great shooter." But the only other guy I've ever seen do this in Auburn Arena was John Morant. From the tip, if he had the ball in his hands, the game was played on his terms. Yep. Sure. The game is on on Sharif Cooper's terms. We're going as fast as he wants to go. He is controlling the tempo of the game at every end. Like it is, Auburn's adjusted pace went through the roof once he yeah. started playing. Yeah, and it was and that only Mer- because, Missouri
3: game was a perfect example. Yeah,
0: yes. He's like, we're playing at my pace. Why? Because I said so. And I'm he had them. i it. He had those. He had
3: those guards in hell. Like, yeah, yeah. And they <laughs> had awesome. no idea what to do with them. And and I was I was covering that game for AP, um, filling in for John Zener in that game because Missouri was ranked, and so I sat in on Quanzo's post game. Uh, press conference and he was like man like we had nobody who could stay in front of him and it was like I don't blame those guys and they were like yeah maybe we shouldn't have gotten called for that many fouls that's true he shouldn't have gotten, yeah. they shouldn't have gotten them for that call for that many fouls but he was like man I don't know I don't know what to do like, yeah like you just yeah. look over to your guys experience back like an experienced backcourt that Missouri had and they were like oh, we ain't got it
0: sorry <laughs> the biggest difference is Steve uh, is that Nash was a listed 6-3 and Shreve's a listed 6-1 yeah,
2: and I I think Steve's actually six three. Uh,
0: I'm I'm skeptical. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Steve, I've I'm seen skeptical. Steve Nash in person. He's if he's six three, that's tough.
1: How about there's another comp for Sharif. Uh, that I don't think, I haven't heard mentioned yet. How about Kimball Walker? Got to be a better shooter. Got to be a better jumper. I mean, I, yeah. I'm looking at his college stats and his NBA stats. Rondo's thirty two percent from three of, in college. And yeah, but he he
3: shot a ton off the off the off the dribble, especially that run to the national title. Yeah,
0: yeah. Kimba was was a mid range shooter back when that was a yeah. thing. But, I, I think <laughs>
2: yeah, of, I think true. of Rondo, man. That that's that's who I think of. A guy that can't it's shoot, a stubby Rondo, stubby Rondo cannot shoot, cannot yeah, shoot. Rondo's got a crazy long wingspan, uh, but uh, you know he's six he's six one or something. The only like time
0: that, right? that Rondo can shoot, for whatever reason, is if the game is on TNT. <laughs> or it's the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. That's it, yeah.
3: Yeah. When people when people want to point to Sharif, and I think his fall down the draft boards kind of makes sense as well. But like even when he was playing at a super, super high level and before he got hurt. You know, the thing with him is like why would he come back to Auburn next year? Well one, he didn't have a full season. You know, he, yeah. he, he recruited a lot of these dudes to play for them. That's true. Like that's that's a big thing. But I think the bigger Dollars and cents, basketball cents, all that kind of stuff. kind of thing with him is that even if he would have finished the year still as one of the best point guards in college basketball, which he looked like for the first few weeks of his career, at best he was going to be the third best point guard in this class. Nobody was catching right. Kate Cunningham. Nobody was catching Jalen Suggs. You can debate on you know what Cade Cunningham is going to be in the NBA. But, you know, next season he has a chance to be the first point guard off the board. Oh, yeah. Because the number one point guard in this 2021 recruiting class um, because you, know, you always have to look at all right, who could be a one-and-done guy, especially right. in the point guard spot. The number one point guard in this class is J.D. Davison, who's going to Bama. I think J.D. Davison is a really good player. I have my – I don't want to say doubts, but I have my thoughts on like, like how he will adjust to playing in the SEC because it wasn't like he's playing like a super high level of basketball at Calhoun. But he's really, really good. You have a real shot. Because Cunningham's out of the way, because Suggs is out of the way, you can be the first point guard off the board, and you know a lot of times you can say, "Hey, you're a lottery pick." And like, I don't know, man, like it's it's not a consensus that he's a lottery pick. Yeah, I,
0: I it was looking. like four weeks ago. Oh yeah, and now it's it's well, definitely I, not. I've been I've been
2: trying to pump the brakes on on any draft projections anyway. I I, I won't trust a single a mess. I, I won't s- trust a draft pro- projection until April. <laughs> May when guys start working out for teams and people start hearing what the teams are saying about them. Like right now. Yeah. They've probably, they've had scouts watching them for sure, but I just don't, I don't think you could, can get a reliable gauge of where the teams are going to go right now, except for those top five picks probably.
3: Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm very, very confident that the top four is going to be some combination of Cunningham, Suggs, Kaminga and Jalen green. Yeah. A lot of people like Evan Mobley as well as top five. But then after that, like I'm looking at Mox right now and it's like Zaire Williams or Greg Brown. Hey, remember him? Yeah. Um, <laughs> some people have BJ Boston up pretty high and it's like, yeah, it's a, it is a complete crap shoot after five. And the other crazy thing is, is that it does seem like very much up in the air after, after five or six in this draft. And yet, if any of these dudes were in last year's draft, they go number one overall. <laughs> That's what it's, it's how crazy that draft was last, last year's it draft. Was, was it was wild. so weak. Yeah, like Isaac Okoro. If Isaac Okoro and we we don't know how good he would have came, he would have been if he'd have came back, especially if he worked on his on his jumper. But let's just say Isaac Okoro that that played last year, same stats, same everything. Bloop, put him into this year, and put him in the draft. You know, after his sophomore year,
0: he might
2: not be a lottery pick. Like, right? Yeah.
3: That's how crazy. That's how crazy this this lottery is.
2: But hey, shout out to him. He's uh, played uh, more minutes than any other rookie, right? Is, I think they I
3: can't take him off the floor. He's and in huh. and, and, and he's scoring it's... like seven or eight points a game. And yeah. just like, like for just like for us, to...
2: he's their talisman. Like
3: he he's a talisman player. I love he it. He keeps he keeps the ball moving for him, and he's been so instrumental on in their defense. They were the second worst defense team in the NBA last year, and now they have a shot to make the playoffs. And that's that's pretty impressive because. They're running a team of uh Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, and I don't particularly think that's a that that's a path to success in the NBA, but uh, Sexton's made it.
0: a leap though. Sexton is I like
3: Sexton a lot. I don't like Sexton next to Garland. No.
0: Sexton is like this kid in the NBA right now is not the kid that was out of Alabama. It's like that's, kid that couldn't
1: get by Pat
0: Like this guy is a is a baller. Watching yep. I watch him Colin Sexton this year. If he as long as, you know, you know, there's all those great stories about pre-draft workouts. Like, uh, e, remember E Jean Leon, the Chinese guy that? Yeah, went to the Bucks. Went to the Bucks, and apparently he like, no one knew who he was, and the Bucks drafted him, and they were like these these rumors that he did this incredible pre-draft workout where he was just doing spin moves on like folding chairs, and they didn't actually put any people in front of him, and the Bucks GM obviously lost his job because you drafted a guy <laughs> because he worked out well against chairs. Or like Penny Hardaway. Um, Penny Hardaway. No one knew who Penny Hardaway was. And then he does this pre-draft workout with the Magic. And they're like, he's the next Oscar Robertson. And (laughs) decide to trade Chris Webber, the rights to Chris Webber, for the rights to Penny Hardaway in the draft. Yep. So instead of putting Chris Webber next to Shaq, they put Penny Hardaway next to Shaq.
2: It almost worked. I mean, they got to the finals.
0: Yeah, they got to the finals. They beat Michael Jordan in the playoffs in the season that everyone who loves Michael Jordan so much forgets happened, but they beat Michael Jordan in the playoffs.
3: There's a, there's
0: a story well, like that. It, there's a story like it, that. That was the season he came back from
2: retirement. He was right? there. Like,
3: through
0: the season. He was there wearing 23 on yeah. his back and got, he still had beat. the Birmingham
3: Barons on his uh,
2: brain. He, he was wearing 23 <laughs> on his back in the playoffs. He wore 45 yeah. most of the year.
3: <laughs> there's a story that Ben Wolk, you know, he used to work with me at SEC Country, and he was at Rivals, and now he's a smart man who doesn't do sports journalism anymore. <laughs> um, he has a story all the time, and he, I, it, it, gets retweeted a lot, especially you know, even last night I think it, it got some traction as well. So Ben interned for the Atlanta Hawks when you know when he was before he got to SEC Country, and one of his big claims is that as an intern he got to sit in and watch when Giannis worked out for the Hawks. And he tweeted, he was like, dude, this Giannis guy is going to be a stud. And nobody really knew who he was at that point. It's like, this guy is going to be unreal. And it was like, he was like secretly thinking, oh, maybe the Hawks will take him. Um, so, yeah, he has this tweet like before the NBA draft about how he thinks Giannis is going to be the superstar. And then all, all of a sudden he <laughs> is. But apparently Giannis did that with the Bucks as well, where it was just like, I know not a whole lot of people know about you, but like, <laughs> like you're yeah. really,
0: really good. So the Hawks pass on Giannis, man. I believe
3: that's how it works. or it's either that or they just missed him. As if I, I, I'll have to look back at that.
0: Rob. Could you imagine the Hawks missing out on a generational talent? Uh, out of Europe
2: too, unfathomable, unfathomable.
3: I mean, at least with Giannis, at least with Giannis, it was like, okay, um, you know. It, he was he was kind of an unknown at that point. Right. Yeah, he was still pretty. Uh, he wasn't he the best. He wasn't the best player in Europe as a teenager. Yeah, he he <laughs> was the fifteenth pick, so it's not like it was just the Hawks. Uh, I want to clear. I want to <laughs> clear the Hawks name. I want to clear the Hawks name. He got picked two picks before the uh, yep. the Hawks uh, win.
0: I mean, why I take Chris tried, Paul? a
3: shrewder pick.
0: Why take Chris Paul when Marvin Williams is on the board, guys? He's right there. <laughs> so you can get Marvin Williams. <laughs> hey,
1: the number one pick in that draft, Anthony Bennett. <laughs> That is not quite as bad of a drafting draft as
3: uh, and that's a great phrase, but that's not as bad as the um, the Andrea Barniani draft. If you ever want to have fun, go look at the Andrea Barniani draft. That is a
0: miserable that's an
3: all time bad. Is that the
0: 08 draft? And I have a feeling the O eight this draft, draft is might, r- be, might,
3: might rival it at some point,
0: although the eight, James Wiseman is great. There's a couple of drafts that's just like there's oh, uh, he, looks good too. Everyone's going to get fired because there's not a good player in this draft. And so it <laughs> doesn't matter who you yeah. – right, So let's look at the rosters for next season. Let's assume that everyone comes back. Sharif sees yep. the light and decides, you know, it's, it's great. Tumors eliminates delicious. I want a mama's love from the original mama Goldbergs.
2: Do we want to take um, a break before we'll we – We'll do leave? that after
0: this and go before okay. football, Chief
2: sorry wow. i thought we might
0: want to tease the
2: tease the audience
0: yeah. a little bit produce we're <laughs> producing this on on the fly um as <laughs> yeah, is tradition well the only issue we've got going to next year is that we've got 22. we're going to have 13 scholarship players if shreve comes back
2: when's the last time we had 13 scholarship players mm, that's a good question uh that's a really good question and all 13
3: can play. What's ever
1: happened in the Bruce era?
3: Cliff, Cliff Ellis years, yeah. maybe? <laughs> well,
0: yeah. And the idea you that. You don't
3: have- redshirt kids in basketball anymore.
0: No. no. And the idea that you've got 13 scholarship players who are. Who would have been the best player on most of the Tony Barbie era teams? Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, there's like six or seven of them. <laughs> uh, maybe everybody
1: on this team would have been perhaps, the best player,
3: perhaps. I yeah. mean,
1: yeah, I mean, you look at it and say, okay, just by minutes played, Javon Franklin probably the bottom of the list on this team.
0: Okay. I like him and a lot. He, he
1: was your rebounding leader and your block percentage leader this year. <laughs> he's the last guy on the bench, and he's total rebound or percent leader and black when, percent
3: leader. when he and chris moore were on the floor together it was like auburn's gonna be fine
1: yeah right yeah.
3: you know they're not gonna light the world on fire offensively
2: but they're gonna be fine and yeah even know, if they've got a foul somebody to keep them from scoring they're not right <laughs> they, they, had know.
3: Clay, they had crazy floor percentages they had yeah. really good defensive ratings you know most of the time in the the game because they they were there to help make sure guys that got breathers they yeah. were there Allen needs a Allen needs to you know be out for a minute and a half you know Thor or Jalen need to be out for a couple minutes and they did a really good job of it. And they were locked in, man. I, I tell people all the time about this is like, you can't, you can't watch this past season for Auburn and not see that this, the culture on this basketball team is through the roof. Like they yeah. are so, so good at it because guys are willing to play their roles and you know, they had really not a whole lot to play for this season. And outside of that LSU game, they played like their hair was on fire a
0: lot of time. How much of that comes from the fact that we seem to be recruiting from like one AAU team. <laughs> that helps. Like, that I, helps. like yeah. the fact that a lot well, of these dudes like, know each other.
2: Like Moore and Franklin are off, are both from Arkansas, right? Is that?
0: Is yeah. that? yeah. Either
2: yeah. they're from Atlanta or they're from Arkansas. One That's of them, pretty I Pretty th- much everybody. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure one of them played at Allen Flanagan's high school.
0: So all uh, three of our listed small Javon forwards are from. Yeah, okay. So all three of the listed small forwards on the team are from the natural state. Flanagan, Moore, and Franklin.
2: Yeah, there
3: you
0: go. And they played Frank. They played, and
3: you know, three and four is not too terribly different in in Pearl's system. But they kind of played Franklin as kind of like a sawed off four most of the yeah. season. The
0: yeah. hilarious but, thing about Bruce is he claims to have these hard and fast positions. Like he'll say, like, "Oh yeah, I don't, I'm not for positionless basketball." And you're like, Bruce, <laughs> what are you talking about?
3: He has a one,
2: and he's and a lot of times he has a five. Yeah. So well, and his five is a better four than he has a five. So <laughs> the five might
1: have been a better one.
2: Yeah. There were times Mr. he ran out there with He's a the
1: one
0: actual, and four, four, uh, four forwards. It's happened. Oh, yeah.
1: And you to have to get even more creative next year because, again, if, if all of these guys come back, what do you do? I mean, everybody should be getting minutes at this point.
3: The most simple one and the most simple quandary is Jabari Smith, JT Thor, Jalen Wounds. One of those dudes
1: isn't starting.
3: And that's when I put it
1: It's one of those guys playing at a three.
3: Exactly. So that was the pool where I was the other day where Josh and I were talking near the game. where We were like, he was like, "Ah, I've thought about Thor at the three. And it was when he was like blowing by somebody on the wing and hammering a dunk. And I made the grave mistake of tweeting something (laughs) and having and and not having Justin Powell in, in that lineup.
0: Which Justin,
3: I'm not going to get into all all that, but Ferguson, um,
0: that this podcast, well, at least me, especially on our Slack, the (laughs) hyping up of Justin Powell by the Auburn fan base. I like him a lot, I think he's a great player. I think he's great.
3: I think he probably starts next season if everybody stays in their natural
0: roles. But people will act as if he is going to come in next year, and it's Kevin Durant.
3: <laughs> like again, got, I don't, I don't want to down the guy, and I don't want to compare it, But like, you got to remember, go back and look at the stats before his injury. He was, he was in a slump.
0: I'm yeah, the guy yeah. who wrote in the SEC Justin ride. Powell is Clay Thompson article for the website, and I still, and that was yeah. tongue in cheek. But I also hope that I did not add to the hype that Justin Powell is actually well, Warrior well, superstar the gr- Clay Thompson. I a mistake
3: of saying if Thor played the three theoretically, well then Alan knocks down to the two. Well, yeah. Justin Powell's
2: better than Alan Flanagan. Based on what, y'all? It's like not, like yeah, I mean, not.
3: just what's the games? Watch I, I, the I,
2: games. Think, I think you have to look at it though, is we, we really had two seasons here. We had the Justin Powell season and the Sharif Cooper season. Yep. Where where those guys were the highlight player, even mm-hmm. though in both of those seasons, Alan Flanagan was actually doing all the like dirty work yeah. uh, yep. for the team.
1: Uh, Jay and, Williams might have been he was their best player? player. Yeah, and no, Justin General, Powell's season was against player.
0: much easier comp than the Sharif Cooper season. <laughs>
2: that's that's true too. I just yeah, it, you could see it there. I mean, he's a he's what six seven six six. Sure. Six, Again, six. he's he the same really height well. and weight as Clay Thompson. Has same a height and weight. Beautiful shot. Rebounds really well. Can handle the ball pretty good. I mean, look
3: like if he plays if he plays next to a natural point guard next season, he's probably wow. your starting too. Yeah, if you're well, not if you're not moving if you're not doing anything weird with your front court and just saying hey, one of you, J T. Thor, Jalen Williams, or Jabari Smith, you're going to be coming off the bench next year. Spoiler alert: I don't think it's going to
2: be Jabari Smith. Uh, but yeah, I know, I, I think I think Powell's coming off the bench, but uh.
1: I think but you can come off the bench and play twenty five minutes.
2: Well, see, I think he's splitting time with with he's probably splitting time with with between the other three dudes because I think I think you wrote the 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 three forwards.
0: Because is I think there he a galaxy thing. brain lineup that is Cooper at the one, uh, Williams at the two? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what well, no? I, I, so How about I, this: Cooper, Williams, Smith, uh, Cardwell, and Thor. Yeah. <laughs> That's the death lineup. I, I think
2: your starting lineup is is if Cooper's back, it's Cooper, it's Flanagan, it's Thor, it's Smith, and it's Williams. But when one of the Fords comes out, they just rotate down, Allen goes to the three, and J- Justin Powell comes in at the two, and Allen stays at the three until you've rotated all the way back
3: around.
0: This sounds like and a 2014 Spurs.
3: My only <laughs> thing, my only thing with that, my only thing with that is they they sound dead set trying to get
2: JT bigger. Like they they oh, like
3: hey, so bulking him up for probably playing down low.
2: That's my I, I don't want to go a little meta here, but I did listen to uh, your pod last night while I was working out, and uh, you I, I lit up a little bit at your suggestion that maybe maybe Thor plays a little five. Yes. Yes. And then yeah. you would have Jalen Williams come off the bench and be able to play
0: four or five, or play early. his natural position of point guard. Yeah, and, and see that's <laughs> where i Watch high school film. I know, that's, man. He's like, a great yeah, passer. Like,
2: that's it. That, that's that's kind of what gave me that idea of the, of yeah. that rotating guys down uh, into the post. Like if Jalen comes off, then you then Thor goes to the three, um, and then you could see Smith at the five too. If if Jalen goes and plays some four. And you and you
0: keep flying at the three. The guy left out is Cambridge because I think Alexander's oh. better than we think he is.
3: So I was about to say that because it's like, all right, if you consider two or if the two and the three, the wing, you know, and mm. in, in common in common sure. uh, phrasing, um, who is you know, Auburn's highest rated wing on that team? It's Trey Alexander. Yeah. As as a prospect, Trey Alexander is really really good, and I and I've and I've tried to get all, uh, Auburn fans to kind of buy into that a little bit, you know, because everybody's excited about Jabari. Everybody's excited, obviously, about Justin Powell. And, you know, Devin ha- had, had a really good season and, and Jamal Johnson had a really good season as well. But if you look at Trey Alexander, he's like if you took Bryce Brown and gave him Jared Harper's, like, willingness to fire from anywhere on the floor off the <laughs> dribble. Um, and he's also, the crazy thing about him is if you go back and watch, you know, uh, you go back and watch his film and kind of look at his stats, he's a really good shot blocking guard. Um, which, I mean, that's kind of the Devin Cambridge effect as well because Devin Cambridge has never seen a jump shot that he's not going to go after.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, That that's where I think um, um, Jamal benefited from all this injury stuff. Oh, yeah, is and Jamal, Devin. It, well, it, I, I think now Jamal, the, trying him out at the point, he now has a path to playing time this next year where he can come off the bench at, at the 2 or the 1. And I think that helps him stick around, uh, or gives him more to think about. Because a so guy there, like he, him...
1: he could grad transfer, if I'm not mistaken. Right. right? Oh yeah. Because this would be his fifth college season. Right.
3: And 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 there's probably they're probably going to have a uh, as we found out today they're probably going to have a, a a waiver for everybody. Yeah. Um. You know, this season, and it's college basketball. I mean, how many dudes in college basketball play for three or four teams? There's yeah. a lot. There's yeah. a lot of those guys. Uh, but you were mentioning there with the with the minutes crunch. I mean, the funniest one to me was Devin Cambridge the other day. Was one of seven from the field, all from deep. But he played thirty six minutes because they had to have him on the floor, and he played yeah. really good defense in that. Yeah, game
2: as well. he, he's his defense this year has uh, has has put me firmly in the Devin Cambridge camp. Um, even when he's struggling on offense and and firing up some crazy threes from time to time, <laughs> he's he's Here's still. You, productive. Uh, he is yeah, the shoot going to shoot. So.
3: Yeah, he is he is if you took Bryce and stretched him out a little bit. If you, he's like if you took Bryce and and Malik and kind of put them together and was like, <laughs> "All right, I want you to shoot a lot and I want you to go run down everything and and try to block every shot and grab every rebound." And that's a that's a great bench player to have. That's sure. a great and and I mean again like we were saying, you know, you can you can be a bench player. You cannot start and still have starter quality minutes, starter quality impact. I mean, look at look at how many dudes do that. Not only in, not only at Auburn, but across the college basketball.
0: Hmm. All right, guys, we've been going for almost an hour. Um, we haven't gotten a spring football, <laughs> so I feel like
3: I always do this to y'all.
0: Let's real quick take a break, come back, and we'll do some quick hitters of football
1: and women's women's basketball.
0: Oh sure, oh yeah, and we're back. 55 minutes exactly into this podcast. Justin, real quick, yes or no, is Chad Pruitt a contender for the women's basketball job?
3: I have no idea. You were asking the wrong person. You're, um,
0: you're in here your first.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that uh, can tie into that previous conversation. is um, I'm not sure who always uh, handles substitutions for the team and, and the rotation planning mm-hmm. portion um but your assistant there's usually an assistant coach that does that and uh Ch- chad pruitt might be uh that might be part of that so if you were to lose a guy like chad pruitt who has become pretty indispensable to bruce pearl at this point um that, that could that could make things interesting as well for the men but it'd be they've great some, for the women
3: they've got some internal hires that they can pull up pretty quickly um, yeah he I mean, is old great
1: northcote i'm sure is uh, on the list.
3: Sure. Uh, he has praised uh, Mike Burgermaster all year long. I was about to say, and uh, the um, and oh, man, I feel so bad as I had his name in my head. Um, the graduate assistant he shouted out the other day for the scout he had with uh, with Stephen Pearl uh, when they beat Tennessee. I am I am blanking on his name, and I feel real bad about it. The one that's not KT KT Pearl, the other one. (laughs) It's not KT; it's the
2: The other other one. Um, Hey, you could bring up KT as well. Um, Let me let me get this guy's name pulled up because I I, I, think I think Bergemeister is probably the guy. I I do. I think he has something to do with rotations already. Anyway, so um. he's been kind of like the offensive
3: coordinator, as Pearl is called that this year uh, as well. He kind of says that uh, the uh, the GA uh, was referring to as Maddox Jeffries. Um, who has been a guy that has gotten a lot
0: of love from BP this season. Also sounds like an old West detective.
3: All right. I knew it was I knew it was two last names and I was and I and I couldn't I couldn't remember I couldn't remember it. So right. He
0: would be an
1: awful Georgia quarterback.
0: Right. Maddox and Jeffries <laughs> is on the case. Um let's go to spring football. Yep. We're gonna ask because we're already well over time. I'm just gonna ask I'm gonna ask Ryan's show notes as Quick hitter questions to we didn't want to lament the, the
2: waste of uh, Unique Thompson's career at Auburn. Thanks no. to oh, okay right. no
0: okay I'm not going to pretend like I watched a bunch of those games. Well, all right, yeah, she was amazing. I know she was amazing, but I'm not going to be it's like, great. oh man, as the guy who watched all the Auburn wins game. Yeah, I, didn't I get it. I get it. All right, uh, if there was one exam- one stat that you can make a benchmark for Bo to say he has to get to this number. What is it, and what is that target number? Is it 60% completions? Is it eight yards per attempt? Is it 20 touchdown passes?
3: I think for I think for Auburn to have the offense it needs to be highly competitive in the SEC moving forward, and for him to be the quarterback we, that we think he is, I think he's got to be in the neighborhood of 65% or above completion percentage. I know well, he's been not- below 60. But 65 percent, 65 percent. That is about the baseline for a good college quarterback these days. I mean, look at the numbers. Look at look at what Mac Jones did last season. But you can go down the list. Like, you know, you got to be around that neighborhood of completing nearly two thirds of your passes. That's that's
1: pretty much the bottom line. Do you think it's a change in scheme that gets him there, or change in mechanics, or both? I am no
3: genius when it comes to mechanics I have no idea you know I can tell footwork and all those kind of things like that but like fixing it um I I think mechanics is probably going to be his bigger thing though because scheme wise I have I don't have doubts I just have questions about how he fits into this scheme this scheme I know Brian Harson and Mike Bowen in the past have built around what their quarterbacks are good at and you have a big enough playbook and a big enough you know net to draw from that you can kind of pick and choose some of the things that he's good at and build your offense around that. But still, you know, look at what he did in high school. Look what he did his first two years at Auburn. That shotgun heavy, you know, RPO doing stuff on the run. That was his game. You know, what does it look like when he has to go under center? What does it look like, you know, when he does, um, when when they go heavier? You know, what does it look like when they go five? Why they didn't do that a a, a whole lot, um, you know, in years past. And we have to do a lot of that quick time and stuff. So it's, a, it's an it's interesting name, but yeah, I think he's just got to be he's got to get there through the air and be a more much more accurate passer. Um, and bonus good.
0: Bonus question: Does Auburn redshirt one of the winningest players in the history of the Great State of Texas in Davis?
3: Maybe I will the one the one guy I keep pointing out to from Brian Harson's pass is Montel Cozart at, at Boise State. Uh, Montel Co- Cozart was a dual threat quarterback that they never started. He played behind Brett Rippin a lot um but they had packages for him and uh, they let him throw the ball a decent bit too when he was out there and it worked Uh, it was just like hey you're a weapon you could bring another dimension to this offense that we don't have we're gonna gonna turn you loose and let our guy who ripping in a being an nfl quarterback you know they gave him another dimension people hate two quarterback systems they're scared of them i get it auburn fans have ptsd from you know the rotations from the past i understand. If Davis is if Davis can show he can do some of that early on in his career, or I should say early on in practice and stuff like that, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do some stuff out for him because, you know, you redshirt a dude in you redshirt a quarterback, that's just one less year that you don't really use him at all. And like these guys, especially these really, really talented guys, they'll they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. They'll go somewhere else, you know, pretty quickly. And so, so you don't want to you don't want to like completely just missed
2: out on being able to use him. It's like basketball. That, that that's yes. sounds that's a lot different. That sounds a lot different than how Gus tried to do stuff like that. Yes. Gus Gus would roll a guy out there like a Kyle Frazier, uh, when he was a freshman. But it was always in predictable situations and it was always doing the same thing, just running the ball. Or like yeah. the or like J F three
3: the J F three Jeremy Johnson, Sean White yeah. rotation. It was more yeah. of like let, we've got to find somebody who can make this go. Yeah. You were desperately trying to find an answer. Yeah. It wasn't kind of like a, like a pack you go back and watch. There's a couple of Boise state games from the last couple of years. You watch, they would throw uh, the one I did at at the observer where uh, Harson and Mike Bobo um, combined for 111 points in a game. um, They would throw Cozart out there on like second and 15. And it was like, Oh, Oh, you're throwing your running quarterback here now. He's like, yeah, because we're about to, we're about to turn it loose with him. And it's just a different dynamic, um, and uh, mm-hmm. they they would do a lot of the uh, they would they would do some stuff right there where they would do, they would get to like third and short go five wide, quick pass quick you quick pass them to death then you go yeah. then you you know the third or fourth time you do it you go five wide run a quarterback draw with it, and get thirty yards off of it and like you know so I think it's that kind of creativity and that flexibility is what they want or you could just let JJ Pegues do all those things which I'm in favor yeah. of
0: <laughs> so just let him be quarterback going up through last year. The lead running back on Harson's teams have caught 25 balls or more every year. Uh Does Tank get to that number?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think Tank. And and I think Tank's capable of that. Like in high school, he caught the ball. I I won't say a ton. He wasn't, you know, Alvin Kamara. But like he he, he caught the ball a decent
0: bit. But he wasn't Mike Dyer either.
3: Right, right. You know, his name is Tank, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, you know, Running, running the dive every single play at Callaway. Um,
0: right. so yeah, Mike Dyer about, was a running back for Auburn. 2010 <laughs> caught famously caught <laughs> that zero. Wasn't zero. down. I know he, was he famously zero passes his entire Auburn career. Somehow,
1: yeah, and because um, he had T Rex arms.
0: <laughs>
3: the other thing, the other thing there to keep in mind, and, and I'm sure we'll get to it with the tight ends as well. You have so little experience a wide receiver this year that you're going to have to try to steal mm-hmm. some ca- some targets and catches with whoever you can get. Um, and I think running back will be involved in that as well. And well, maybe even Sean
0: gets involved in that. Leads me on next question. Who's our leading receiver? Who's Auburn's leading receiver next year?
3: It's hard for me to pick anybody not named Xavier Capers at this point just because he has the most experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Capers a lot. Um, I've said it a few times. Auburn had this cool thing where in the past under Gus, and it worked. Let me be very clear. The recruiting got a lot better. At receiver over the years, and it worked when it really worked. Auburn got really big guys and really short, fast guys. And Anthony Schwartz, I kind of was not not short but long, the Cleaner. smaller. Yeah, he's kind of a tweener. Auburn just decided these last couple of cycles: what if we got big dudes who can run? And um he he fits that. He fits that well. Elijah Canyon fits that as well. He's kind of that X. And you look at Bubbo's history. They like leaning on number one receivers. He had Michael Gallup. He had Hollywood Higgins at uh, at Colorado State. He obviously had AJ Green at um, mm-hmm. at, at Georgia as well. So, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what what they do there. But that that wide receiver group, I'm just like somebody somebody in spring ball is going to blow up that we are not expecting a wide receiver. It almost happens every year, and I think it's going to happen especially with this wide open thing. My early pick is
1: Javarius Johnson, but you
3: know I, I keep I keep buying into Javarius Johnson. He keeps getting hurt, so.
1: Well, is, wasn't Malcolm Johnson supposed to be a five-star in this, this class? Did he, reclassify he had there? a
3: chance. He right. had a chance. I don't know if he would have ended up. He might have ended up being Duke and fly. I mean, he is. he's not flash fast, but he's about like just below it um, in terms of just straight line speed. And, yeah, he, he kind of had the JT Thor thing go for him last year. He, he got to reclassify. And his deal was Virginia wasn't playing high school ball, and he was like, all right, I'll just go to
0: Auburn already. Work out. Yeah. Yep. So is this the year Auburn finally throws to tight ends?
1: If they don't, yes. it's it's this this this
3: area, this zip code is cursed <laughs> for tight ends if they don't. Uh Brian Harson famously his all of his uh Boise State offenses um had uh two tight ends catch double digit passes a year every single year he was there.
0: Somebody used to go burn a Cooper Wallace jersey in the middle of the field to atone for it or something.
3: They have <laughs> twice as many uh, tight ends on their roster right now at scholarship as running backs. Who would have ever thought that? And those and, and, and like they all kind of do something different as well, with the exception of John Samuel Shanker, who just does everything. He also um, plays first base.
0: Them.
3: And he saying, he's, he's also a pretty good he power literally corner. He does
2: everything. <laughs> it's the, the, the tight end recruiting in the last couple of years was the, the wildest thing to me because we didn't use them. so. Yeah. So what are we doing? Well, well it, was it, was kind of the thing. it was kind of the thing that was
3: going on for a while, wide receivers. Like, why would Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz and those guys come to Auburn? Why would Kyle Davis and Nate Craig Myers come home? They don't throw the ball enough. And it I was like, all right, well, you know, you got to get it in place. You know, it's yeah. a little different. It's a little different when your tight ends are Sal canella, who was not a tight end, and Jalen Harris, who, you know, just it just wasn't a guy who who really broke out at this level.
0: All right, so let's let's – Finish the offense with the offensive line, much maligned. Unit returns everyone from last year, but we returned everyone in 2019. Yep. So and they're even more experienced, correct? And they're even more experienced. So, why should I expect us to have an okay offensive line next year?
3: So, I'm of the opinion that Auburn's offensive line has a ceiling, a cap that is already in place because of the talent level. Auburn is, Auburn, as I wrote, a couple of months ago at the observer, they got a lot of traction with people. Auburn has the lowest blue chip ratio of any team in the blue chip ratio all among the offensive line. That means they have the least recruit recruiting talent on the offensive line as any championship contender team in college football. There's a cap. There's a cap to how good they're going to be, I think. Um, but if you want a bright side, you want to optimi- you want something optimistic. Uh, I wrote about this on Monday at the observer. Um, Continuity is going to be a huge thing. Uh, Nathan King at, at Auburn Undercover pointed out, and I and I didn't know know this. Uh, I didn't go back. He went out and realized Auburn had eight different offensive lines last season. Um, getting one or two of them and settling with them is going to be big. Um, I guess if you're an Auburn fan who wants your offensive line to be a lot better this season, um, build a shrine and uh, to Brandon Council and um, make sure he stays injury free because Auburn's offensive line was never the same after he went out last year.
2: All right. Yeah, that's the number one thing I want to see is a uh, a year where Bo Nix is not running for – or whoever is quarterback because it's not just limited to Bo Nix. J.J. Piggies. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, no, I want to see he's him. He's not, not running for his <laughs> life. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see J.J. Piggies running for his life. That'd be fun. But Just uh,
3: scrambling and just get on a bootleg.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just just yes. like, oh, God. <laughs> But uh, I yeah, I just want to see Bo not in a position where he's just chunking the ball away and killing his percentage to save and
3: from throwing oh, interceptions. Yeah. Cool. And the thing with Bo, not to
2: not to harp too much
3: on Bo, even if you take out the throwaways and you take out the drops last season, he still it's still his completion yeah. percentage on target, whatever you want to call it, is not great. It's one of the worst in the SEC. It's got to get better.
0: All right, so what do Auburn fans need to know about watching a 3-4 defense compared to what we've been watching in terms of defensive linemen?
3: You might not be watching a 3-4 defense this season. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's up in the air. Uh, Derek Mason is one of those guys who will say he is not a 3-4 guy or a 4-3 guy. He is a defense guy. But they will run a lot more base 3-4 stuff, I think. Um, it'll be very interesting when they get a third down sets what that looks like. The main thing is, is that uh, a lot of his stuff in the past has been two-gap defense, and you do that a lot with your three with a three-man front. Whereas guys, instead of being responsible for one gap, defensive linemen play and adjust to two gaps. They're gonna have to learn how to do that. Uh, there wasn't a ton of that happening at Auburn under Kevin Steele. He had some guys who could do that. Derrick Brown definitely was one of those guys who could yeah. do that. Um, you know, so it was it's very interesting to see how that's going to be adjustment. And the other thing is, just like where are these dudes gonna be? Because man, I don't know. What do you do with a dude like Colby Wooden in a 3-4? I think he's a better 3-4 end than a, than a 4-3 end, which I think this might work for him. But like Zac Walker, what do you do with him? Where's Jaron Handy going? You know, Where's Marquise uh, – well, you know where Marquise Burks is going. Where's Drake Butler going? Um, Auburn's got so much versatility up front, and I think some of these guys are going to be able to fully take advantage of their skills because if you're a tweener in a – if you're a tweener in the Kevin Steele defense, you might be a better fit as a 3-4 end, you know, in this system. And then you can bulk up your really big guys and let them
0: play nose. And this, one of, the, one of the testaments to how good Justin is at this, is that I trust him enough to know that I don't think he made any of those names up. I, I was about to ask,
2: did you know all of those names?
0: No, I not even. Okay. All right. All right, in the secondary. We
1: should have slid a Star Wars character in there. to see. Yeah, I would have
0: been out. Do you know uh, who, do you do you know
3: who uh do you know who Romello Hyde is? No, I don't think I, I don't know, know that. Yeah, Romello, <laughs> Hyde, Romello Hyde's a buck uh, he's going to end up probably being an outside linebacker here. Uh, my favorite Romello Hyde thing is that his picture of when he was a recruit on the 247 uh, page was him at some official visit. I don't know if it was at Auburn. It might've been somewhere else of him wearing an Atlanta United Jersey to his official visit. Nice. Um, so he's always, he's always going to have a soft spot in my heart for that.
2: No, nobody has a better uh, uh, recruiting picture than Andrew McCain. Everyone should go look at that. Andrew
3: McCain's is a good one. Uh, uh-huh. And then the all time, the all time great one to me from the Malzon era is Mon Atkinson's oh, yeah. picture. Uh, Cause he 45 looks year old like, picture? he looks like, yeah, he, he looks like Justin Houston <laughs> as a, as a 17 year old like, it was <laughs> and he never, and that was the funny thing is like when he got on campus and like when he was here at Auburn for you, he, he did not look like that. It was just right, that yeah. one picture yeah. was just the lighting and the, and the framing was just, he, he looked like, he looked like he had been playing for the Bengals for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, uh before we get off of the defensive line uh, i did want to say i think derrick brown could have played a four gap defense uh he could have covered four gaps at once
3: derrick brown again i will say it until i probably die derrick Derek brown's the best defensive player who's ever come through auburn i understand any of your arguments to the con- to the contrary i will tell you that in this era to be that big and to do all the things that he did Sorry, Tracy Rocker. Sorry, Nick Fairley. Sorry, you know, Carlos Rogers. Sorry, all these guys in the past.
0: You're wrong. I, it's just he,
3: he's 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 different, man. He's different. All right, and so he can s- rush the passer. The yeah. secondary, you can play in a linebacker.
0: Yeah, you can play whatever position you want him to. <laughs> yeah, the secondary this coming year has got uh, a lot to prove because I almost like they got a lot of hype coming in all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. A lot of uh, smoke. Linebackers, linebackers last of year.
1: Smoke? It was the defensive line before that, and now it's the secondary. I mean, yeah,
0: Skipping last year. Skipping linebackers,
1: by the way? <laughs> in, this, in this rundown? Yeah, Crows get the linebackers. We, we can circle back to it, though. Yeah, we'll circle back. I'll circle back.
0: Well, sure. Crows just hates linebackers. <laughs> no, we've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes trying to get off the phone. <laughs> All right, so last year it was linebackers, a defensive line – the year before that, everyone's hyping them up, but the cornerbacks are, like we talked about just now, like, all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, Auburn is this defensive back place, and I that's mm-hmm. I, never happened. In my lifetime, I've never been like, oh, I'm really confident in our secondary.
3: Oh. No, you had you had uh, you had obviously Carlos Rogers, and then it took a while before your corners got back up again. You had Jonathan Jones there for a little bit, and then you've you've had a run. You have he a had, you have you a standard. Jonathan
2: up. will height and, and Nico
3: Thorpe still poking around the
1: NFL, isn't
3: he? Nico no. Thorpe is a, is a great NFL. I did not think he kind was kind of good bet. at
1: Auburn. I can't believe he still. He league. was good at Auburn. He, th- he was Dude fine. I, like. I don't know. Hey, yeah.
2: he, he shot Julio down in the freaking 09 uh, Iron Bowl until he. <laughs> like, pick played side all the way down the field anyway um so yeah the corner thing is
3: very interesting if you look at it statistically last season Nehemiah Pritchett was one of the most disruptive uh corners in all of college football whereas uh Roger McCurry was who we thought Roger McCurry could be a pretty good shutdown cornerback at, at number one that guys didn't throw to it at. um the thing with Nehemiah Pritchett he was so disruptive at Tackling dudes when they when they caught the ball or making sure the ball didn't get their way. Um, now you have a dude in Miller who was right behind him uh, in all those things, the transfer from West Virginia. Oh, and by the way, Marco Domio is still there. And they've still got – I mean, it's a deep cornerback uh, class. Deep, deep, deep cornerback class. They added a Juco player. Um, there's a lot of depth at corner. Not so much at safety. And you got to figure out what you're doing at nickel as well if it's not just going to be Ladarius Tennyson's show to run, which I think
2: it might be. Do we think any of those guys might move to safety? Uh,
3: I think I, I think some of those depth guys are going to have to. Yeah. Like I'd be very curious to see how they get through spring ball
2: because they're yeah. getting
3: some more safeties coming in after spring. But like right now, like it's three like,
1: scholarship safeties, right? And, and natural,
3: and yeah, natural safeties is where you probably would have projected them out to be, and the, Smoke and uh, and uh, Chris Thompson and uh, uh, the newcomer Amari Harvey.
2: It reminds me a little bit of Shizik's um, first. Uh, first few years where we were we were light on safety um because i think we moved darren bates to safety right is that is he the one that we moved like we moved somebody to safety, Move linebacker right and then he yeah. Moved, yeah and but then he ended up back at linebacker right? huge
0: chiswick apologist darren bates <laughs> yeah yeah he love, loves old gene uh, uh eugene let's, let's okay. talk about linebackers speaking of darren bates
1: <laughs>
0: yep uh OP and McLean are set, but there's a whole lot of other stuff going on on the outside. Like, what is it just wide open? Like, what are we going to do on, from the outside linebacker? And if we're playing 3 4, then the outside linebacker is a whole different type of animal than what it is in the 4 3. Yep.
3: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Your inside linebacker is pretty set. Not only do you have those guys that you mentioned, but Chandler Wooten comes back into the fold, and he is a great third linebacker to have yeah. on team. TD Moultrie's reportedly moving back there as well which makes sense i don't think he would have never he would he would have not ever really been i don't think a great linebacker in the kevin Steele defense but this defense i think with a little bit more quote-unquote protection and that's a bad word but around him i think he'd be better yeah the edge rushers are going to be fascinating to watch i think Derek hall is a natural outside linebacker that you want to put out there and, and let him eat um but yeah, who, who you, you got to put two of them out there. So who goes, I think cam Riley's a candidate to move to the outside. He's got that build and kind of makes sense there. But if, does a dude like Jaron handy kind of stay at the size he is and kind of sw- switch back to the, to playing outside linebacker, stand up a little bit more often. That's a possibility. Got a Northwestern transfer coming in and Uh, Oh, by the way, Dylan Brooks is really good. And, you know, but those two guys are, are coming in, um, after, after camp. So, um, yeah, that, that the outside linebacker and how they figure all that out is going to be interesting to watch. And the other thing with linebacker, dude like Owen Papo is going to eat in this system because, you know, under Kevin Steele, you kind of knew what was going to happen on most downs. You were going to rush a four, you were going to play, your linebackers are going to drop back in coverage, your you know spy or something like that. Now you're going to have dudes who want to blitz a lot more. You, you you can drop you can drop more guys back in coverage around him because Owen's a really good pass rusher and he's also a really good coverage guy and he's also a really good run stopper. He's just a really good football player. I think the 3-4 is going to be able to do it a little bit more with him.
0: Yeah. All oh, right. Fun. That is all. That's a quick run through the offense and the defense from the Auburn Observer's own Justin Ferguson. If you want to know more, he wrote thousands of words about <laughs> American college football already. He's already written that many words going into this season. Yes. And you can go read them at the Auburn Observer. And you should do it. And you should pay do it. You should pay him to do it.
2: I would See, appreciate that. It's the only, <laughs> only, uh, only thing worth uh, paying for to read
0: around here. Hey, yeah, yeah especially now that ESPN Plus got rid of Super Rugby Aoteara. Like, I mean, <laughs> how much do so you to get watch? cool stickers too? Yeah, me cool stickers.
3: Oh, like hey, okay. you're the first yeah. person I've seen who's had it on their phone, which I feel is very
1: dangerous. But uh, honestly, no, this is one of my favorite logos I've seen for like anything Auburn related. I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank um, you. I don't know if you designed it or if somebody else did. I did. Or, I did. Yeah. I appreciate, nice. that. appreciate that.
3: Nice. Appreciate that. There is a, uh, uh, and people ask about the logo all the time, um, and the name and all that. The brain on the inside is not just me thinking that I'm smarter than everybody else. <laughs> it is a reference. Uh, partly to Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, nice. the, in, the end of the run where Bill Corbett's character, uh, the Observer, was the brain guy. Yeah. Excellent. I'm a nerd. Excellent.
0: <laughs> Ryan, Mystery Science Theater <laughs> 3000 was a television show that came on the Sci Fi Network and was the basis for much of my humor growing up and still is to this day.
3: Yeah, I, Ryan, I'm uh, – I'm not that much older than you, and I've watched pretty much every episode because it was something I got from my dad, and I still watch it pretty much. I, I go to sleep watching Mystery Science Theater most nights. Oh, Team Mike perfect, over here, by the way, it's a
2: perfect go to sleep.
3: Oh that's, man, it's it's perfect. awesome. It's awesome.
0: If you're you a, if you're a Mike Nelson fan, we can hang out. The other guys, the other guy who was before Mike was fine, but it, yeah. that, in my opinion, the show hits its stride when Mike Nelson takes over. Yes. Hey, I right.
2: want to mention that uh, Auburn offered a guy from Fort Payne, and I could not be happier. Uh, Heck yeah! Right now. Brian Harson is officially my favorite coach. Football. The,
0: la- the last yeah. time Auburn offered a guy that I had, I was close to geographically from where I grew up, mm. was uh, Tyreek Rawlison. So,
2: oh, well, that uh,
0: maybe this will work out a little better for me than <laughs> that did uh, for you. Yeah. And with that, we hope you guys have a War Eagle weekend. Thanks for no listening. Reason.